Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the gift of your word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, open our eyes, our heart, our mind, our entire soul, so that we may follow him evermore to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so how many of you growing up had a coloring book with a connect the dots? Show of hands. Did you have that? Almost all of us did, right? And, and as a kid, you were like, did it and like, look, a horse. Or, or I don't know what the others were, but they always something, you know, pretty common. And you were like excited about that. Well, believe it or not, the last four weeks through Advent and even into Christmas, we have been connecting the dots. We have been taking a look at the Old Testament and connecting the dots to the New Testament, and the picture we see is one of Jesus. We have seen that he is our comfort. He is our joy. He is our life. He is our peace. He is the very love of God. And today, we are going to continue to connect the dots. We have connected the dots from Isaiah. One week we did Zephaniah. But today we're also going to connect the dots from Isaiah. And we are going to see Jesus is the servant of the Lord. So, as we have talked about the past number of weeks, the state, the spiritual state of the nation of Israel was not good. In fact, much of Isaiah has been a rebuke to the nation of Israel because they were blind, deaf, they were stubborn, they were stiff-necked people. And there was a lot of idolatry, worshiping, literally, worshiping idols. In fact, in chapter 41, just the chapter before our reading from today, the last third of it is a very strong rebuke that the Lord has against Israel for idolatry. Chapter 41 ends this way. It says, Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. All of the idols, whether they are crafted by hand, by uh, clay, by stone, by wood, or in this case, talking about metal, the Lord says that they are delusions. And thus to worship false idols, is delusional. See, this is the Lord speaking. The Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, He does not simply say, oh, well, you know, if you're sincere in your worship, it really doesn't matter. Uh, If you just want to worship somebody else but me, it really doesn't matter. No, He says that this is delusional. It is false. Now, you might think, okay, well, that was in Israel way back, long, long time ago, right? 700 years before Christ, 2,000 years now. So 2,700 years ago, we have evolved since then. Hardly, right? We live in a world right now that is full of idolatry. And it's not necessarily something that you would make. Most of it is self-idolatry. 
right? How many selfies do you see people taking? When I was growing up, I took a picture of what I saw, not of me seeing what I saw. You know? It's self-idolatry to the, to the greatest end. So I think the rebuke is not only for Israel, it's for us as well. So there's a rebuke. That's how chapter 41 ends. And he says, behold, they are all delusional. But now in 42, he's going to say, behold, my servant. And we're going to see four things about the servant. And it really makes a sentence if you want to have it be a sentence. The servant of the Lord who is gentle and compassionate will bring justice through a new covenant. That's what we're covering today. The servant of the Lord who is gentle and compassionate will bring justice through a new covenant. So let's go to our text from 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. So it's a comparison and contrast in some ways, isn't it? In 41, he says, behold, those idols are of nothing. But in 42, he says, behold, my servant. But I want you to notice something about this particular verse. All the pronouns that are used, they are pronouns for the Lord. He says, behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. You see, you have to understand how much weight the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, is putting upon, the emphasis putting upon the servant here. When you read, when you read Isaiah, especially, let's say, chapter 39, 40, 41, 42, you see the sovereignty of God, that he is God the Almighty, that by the power of his word he said, let there be, and there was, that nothing is outside of him. He is sovereign, so he's putting the full weight of his name, his seal, upon the servant. His glory is so great that it says in verse 5 and then 8 from our reading, Thus says the Lord, thus has God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols. So thus, when he says, Behold, my servant, we really should pay attention. And it says, Behold, my servant, the one that I've chosen. Now, servant is a very important word here. In Isaiah, as a matter of fact, there are, this is just one of what are called the servant songs, one of four servant songs. Now, a servant could could be about a slave, right? Servant could be slave. It was often used as somebody who was a high-ranking person within the kingly court. They would serve the king. 
but a servant could also refer to one whom God has chosen to truly do his will. And thus Moses was a servant of the Lord. David was a servant of the Lord. Elijah was a servant of the Lord. Isaiah, Jeremiah, the prophets, they were all a servant of the Lord. But here, the servant is elevated to such a degree like no other. This servant is not the same as Moses, is not the same as David. As a matter of fact, we could take a look at many different references here, and we could find out that the servant here is the Messiah, the Christ. We could connect all the dots. But we don't have to do a lot of work because actually Scripture connects the dots for us very easily. In our reading from Matthew, it connects the dots perfectly. Matthew chapter 12, verse 17 and 18. This was to fill, fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Speaking of Jesus, right? Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Look, if you only had the New Test, the Old Testament, and you were reading that verse, it should actually get you kind of excited. Because this one verse in Isaiah is pointing to someone, a servant greater than the other servants. You should be like little Zacchaeus, right? Little wee Zacchaeus climbing up in the tree, looking, who is the servant? Now, is this servant going to come and just conquer? Is he going to come on that white horse right away? Is he going to rescue the nation of Israel? Well, he will, but not in the way that people thought. Because the servant, the servant is going to be gentle. He's going to be full of the Spirit of the Lord. It says this, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. We actually saw this last week where the full spirit of the Lord is upon this servant. We talked about that there are seven aspects, seven being the complete, the full number. And uh, last week we, we uh, quoted, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So this servant is unlike any other. And this servant is the one in whom, it says, in whom my soul delights. The Holy One of Israel, the Father, his soul delights in this servant. If you were here last week, remember I talked about how the servant, the fear, his delight is the fear of the Lord. We covered that last week. And delight actually has its root in the pleasing smell. We talked about, you know, how when you smell something, it is a fullness of emotion. We, you, know, you had your Christmas cookies, right, and the baked bread. But I talked about holding the baby and how your soul delights in the smell of a new baby. 
the son has that delight for the father. And now it says that the father has that delight in the servant, the son. My soul delights. It's just not an intellectual thing, but it's a whole delight in this particular servant. So the servant of the Lord is unlike any other, and he is gentle and compassionate. It says this, he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He isn't crying out for a revolution. He isn't crying out for an overthrow of government. As a matter of fact, he is gentle, and it says, a bruised breed he will not break. Well, the reference here, by the way, is for a reed that was used for a pen, for writing. And if you uh, had a crushed reed, well, then the pen was useless, and you would throw it away. But also there is the light. It says this, in a faintly burning wick he will not quench. So, you know, when a candle finally burns out, when you can't use the wick anymore, the candle is no longer good. And so it is blown out or thrown away. Now, these are figures of speech, by the way. We aren't taking these literally. It's a figure of speech to speak about the condition of the people of Israel who are crushed, who are bruised, who are walking in darkness. And that was the condition of Israel, the nation of Israel in that day. People were so oppressed. They were bruised. They were crushed. And they were really walking in darkness, not only from government, but from also religious leaders who were putting more law upon them. They were just beaten down. And by the way, that's just, that was the same in Jesus' day too. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were very religious and they wanted to follow the law exactly. And so they put more burdens upon people, more and more rules and regulations of what it meant to be a good Jew, an Israelite. And they were just crushing the people. From our reading in Matthew, they didn't even want Jesus to heal somebody on the Sabbath, lest it break a Sabbath law. They were crushed. They were oppressed. They were putting a yoke upon them that the people could not bear. This is why Jesus actually said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus came to heal the broken and the bruised. He himself became like one of us, crushed broken. Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his stripes, we are healed. 
And in the same way, he came to bring light to those who are in darkness. And we've read this before, but it bears repeating. Isaiah chapter 9, the people walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And then gospel of John, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Behold, this is the servant. This is the one God has chosen. He is gentle, but he is not weak at all. And though people mock and despise him, he will never grow weary. In fact, he will bring justice. It says this in our reading, he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Justice is a word that gets used a lot lately, isn't it? And it is so misused. There's social justice. There's economic justice. There's climate justice. As a matter of fact, just take your favorite cause and add justice to it. And you are now part of our culture. People are clamoring for justice. But does anybody actually ever stop and say, well, what actually is justice? I mean, really, what is justice? At some point, we could say, well, justice is what is morally right or morally fair. But here's the question. Where do you get that standard of justice from? I mean, everybody's clamoring for justice, but they all seem to have different standards. Where is the standard of justice? The standard of justice is found in God alone. There is only one and true enduring standard of justice, and that is from God himself. One commentator put it this way, justice is part of his very nature. Justice is not an optional product of his will, but an unchangeable principle of his very nature. Psalm 9, verse 7 and 8 says this, But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. His justice can never be separated from his righteousness or his holiness. And by the way, we connected some dots last week as well. We talked about righteousness. Righteousness, the standard by which everything else is measured, or you could say the standard by which everything else is judged. And Jesus himself judges with perfect righteousness and thus gives perfect justice because he himself is the righteous one. That's what we covered last week. And you know what? God has always provided justice for those under oppression, especially the most vulnerable. Deuteronomy chapter 10, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. 
Zechariah 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. His justice also shows grace and mercy and love even to enemies. Think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you do not have compassion for those who are under oppression, for those who need help, you don't understand the justice of God. Now, if we stopped right there, all the social justice warriors would say, Aha! You see, that's what Christianity is really about, right? The core of Christianity is helping those under oppression. And if that's all they have, then they don't understand the justice of God. You see, they miss the full justice of God given in the servant. The servant will bring justice to the entire world through the gospel. He will bring perfect justice to the world through the gospel. The servant fulfilled all of the demands of the law and lived a perfect life. He lived the life that you and I should be living now. But we haven't. And so the perfect righteous servant died for the unrighteous. And on the cross, perfect justice was given that day. Complete, perfect justice. It says this in 1 Peter, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. On that day, on the cross, a new covenant was given. A new covenant from the servant. Verse 6 and 7 from our reading of Isaiah. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison those who sit in darkness. Now, covenant is a word. Okay, in the last five years outside of church, have you ever used the word covenant? Probably not. Maybe, maybe. But it's a word that is pretty much lost to our culture nowadays because we don't live in a covenantal culture. We live in a culture that is contractually based. Right? You go buy a car, you sign a contract. Right? I promise to do this. If you promise to do that, got the car. We do that with mortgages. We even do that in marriages. Prenuptial agreements is nothing but a contract. It's a quid pro quo. You do this, I do that. We have an agreement. That's the culture in which we live. We don't live in a covenantal 
culture. But God has given a covenant, a covenant in this servant. And so what is a covenant? It is a sacred promise not to be broken. And in Christ Jesus, God gives us an unconditional covenant. That means it is dependent upon him, not us, because we can't keep our end of the bargain. So the promise is made secure through Christ Jesus. He says, I will, and I I want you to notice the language here. He says, I will give you, the servant, I will give the servant as a covenant for the people. I want you to notice here. It does not say that I will give you a signed piece of paper for this covenant. I am giving my servant as the covenant. You see, Jesus himself is the covenant. He himself is the covenant. He said, this this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I, myself, my body, my blood is the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. You see, Jesus isn't simply one who points to the covenant, one who symbolizes the covenant, one who helps people live a better life according to the covenant. He himself is that covenant. And see, when you confess Christ as Lord and Savior of who he is, you enter into that new covenant. It is a covenant of redemption, forgiveness, forgiveness of sin, freedom from sin, and a new life. This is the Lord's servant. This is the one who brings you out of spiritual darkness into his light, who brings you from spiritual blindness to be able to see him and his glory. Amazing grace. John Newton, right? I once was blind, but now I see. That is coming out of darkness, of sin, the shackles of sin, into a new, new life. And I want to connect the dots all the way to the very end of the Bible, because in this new life, it is made complete, full, in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation chapter 21, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. This is the servant of the Lord who is gentle and compassionate and will bring justice to the nations through a new covenant. So in this new year, are you crushed and bruised? Seek the servant. Are you in prison and in darkness? Seek the servant. Do you seek God's justice and his eternal promises? Seek 
the servant. The servant is the Messiah, the Christ, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. 